News is a NASCAR. The NFL goes to training camp. Baseball says play ball. All with my special guest, Dan Doling of The Sherm Show. Welcome to the Sherm Show. I'm here with my good friend Dan Doling. Uh, he's joining me so we can discuss a little bit of baseball, a little bit of football, a little bit of maybe even NASCAR, even though I hate it. But uh, so let's start out with baseball. Baseball, uh, they finally came to an agreement, or I should say, were forced into an agreement uh, to have a season. I believe they're going to have 60 games uh, with expanded playoffs, DHs in both leagues. Dan, let's talk about who you think. Who the favorites are? We know who the favorites are. It's it's, it's the Yankees. It's always the Yankees. It's the Dodgers. Uh, I guess let's talk about the Twins first. What do you what do you think the Twins' chances are? Well, and the, you know their chances were good to begin with. And, and first of all, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, I've been looking forward to this a lot, and you and I have been talking about it for a while. But uh, this this race to the end is is going to be really exciting to watch. And with how they're setting up the schedule, it really favors the Twins. Why? So they're playing 40 games against their division, 20 outside their divisions against the NL Central. They only have four opponents that had an over 500 record last year. That's pretty amazing if you think about it. Uh, It favors a deep team, which the Twins are. They're one of the deepest teams in baseball. They don't necessarily have the top-end talent as, as, say, the Yankees or the Dodgers, but they're an extremely deep team, especially in their rotation. Uh, Again, not the top-end, but they go seven, eight, nine deep when it comes to rotation, which could come into play very much so this year, especially if guys start testing positive and have to sit out 14 days, so on and so forth. So, is that is what is that is that the is that the protocol where if a guy tests positive, they'll have to sit 14 days? More than likely, there is no protocol as as it sits right now. It's pretty fluid. Uh, There's really nothing set in stone as to what they're going to do, but. For the most part, that's what's happening in the real world, and I don't see it being any different in baseball. If somebody tests positive, they're gonna, you know, they're they're gonna sit down in quarantine for fourteen days, just like anybody else. So it'd be like a DL stint, basically. Basically. Hmm. And what's I mean, the thing is, it's just like, it, can they? The thought is, can they do this? Because okay, this stuff spreads so quickly. It could spread to ha- let let's say they're in the clubhouse. I mean, it could spread to half the team like that. Yeah. And then, so what happens then when when you have, let's say, forty percent of your starters go on quote unquote DL because they've got coronavirus? Yeah, and that's that's where they got to try to stay ahead of it and you know put the same precautions that you know that we're putting in place. You know, and you know I myself we work retail and we have to be mindful of what we're doing with each other because we work closely with each other every single day. I actually just went through it here this past week, and, and they have to do the same. And, and the clubhouse is going to be different. Yes, they're with each other every day, but they still have to be mindful of social distancing and not sharing equipment. They have, you know, the on-deck circle. They have to bring their own equipment up to the on-deck circle every single time they go. Yeah, I suppose there'll be no Bat Boys or anything like that. Correct. They have to use their own donuts, Hmm. their own pine tart, their own everything. So they're, they're putting things in place to try to stop it from spreading from person to person. But think about that. I mean... You've got a you've got a pitcher who handles a baseball continuously. He throws let's say let's say he gets deep into an inning. He throws thirty pitches that inning. Uh, let's and that may mean a bunch of hits. 
That may mean, okay, the pitcher and the catcher touch it a bunch of times. You know, if, if you're fielding ground balls, a double play, you know, three guys are touching it there, base hits, uh, you're hitting the cutoff, man. I mean, it's just, it seems impossible to, to, to combat this and, and at, a, at, a, at a practical level. Well, and, and that's, you know, that's what's changed a lot with you know, specifically how the CDC has looked at it over the last month or so is that they've really changed a lot when it came to specifically. It doesn't necessarily spread as fast and as quick as what they, they, they said at the early stages as far as touch. Mm-hmm. Most of it is spread through close proximity, breathing in out, in, in over long periods of time specifically. So and that's really what we watch for at work too. It's, you know, cleaning surfaces is important. You can't get away from that, but it's really the, the long periods of time. That's why wearing masks is important, especially if you're spending a long period of time with somebody. So touching a baseball, throwing a baseball, catching a baseball, throwing it back, the likelihood of catching it through that is is pretty slim from what I've read and what I understand. Uh, again, by no means am I an expert, but the likelihood of that is pretty long. I mean, if it was high, they would be playing. Sure, you know, sure. It's really the, the school of thought on that. It's more so, like you said, the clubhouse. That's really where they have to be careful. And that's why, you know, they, the, early, the early reports were they can't shower. Mm-hmm. Well, they backed off that. They can, they can, they, they have ways around that too. But they're really going to limit on who can be in the clubhouses. And that's going to be the strange part is no reporters in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Very limited people can be in the clubhouse. Front office people can't be in the clubhouse. It's only players, players and players only. Mm-hmm. So they're really going to limit that down. And, and that's going to be interesting to, to see on how they do that and, and how they can control that. Did they decide where their bubble's going to be? Is there going to be a bubble? There's no bubble. There's no bubble. That's why they're doing just NL Central, AL Central to limit how far they're oh, traveling. Oh, traveling. Yep. Okay. Right. And they're, huh. they're really keeping that to a minimum as far as where they're traveling to. Yep. So talking about the Twins, our lineup's deep, our rotation, not so much. So in, in a 60-game season, you really can't – seems to me you can't have a lull. You can't have a long losing streak. You've got to start fast and keep going. Because it's, I mean, it's it's a, it's a all-out battle to the end. It's not, there's no, you know, dog days of summer. This is like balls to the walls. Let's keep going. Do you think injuries will play a key in a shorter season? Oh, they certainly will. Uh, you look at what the Twins did last year. Through 60 games, they were 40 and 20. That's the type of team this this season will You'll see it. The White Sox would be the perfect example. That upstart young team that can just go off on a tear like the Twins did last year. Mm-hmm. Came out of nowhere and just went off. They had the best record through 60 games last year. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the veteran-laden team that takes its time to get going, knows over 162 games, it can, it can win the war of attrition. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Right. you got to go balls to the walls off the, you know, right out of the, the first game. You know, I, I read somewhere today it's, it's essentially every game is worth two and a half games. That makes sense. You yeah, know, and you can't you can't take a day off. Yep, it's gonna be fun to watch as a fan. This is mm-hmm. as good as it gets. Yep, we're fast forwarding into August. Yep, and that's it's gonna be absolutely fun to watch. Everything matters. It gives teams like the Detroit Tigers something to watch. Yep, there's there's no oh boy August we're done. Mm-hmm. You know this this actually matters. They're not gonna be out of it till the last couple of weeks of the season. Right, right. So it, it's, it's going to be great for baseball fans. If you, if you look at this and you walk away from this, it, it, just because you're ticked off the way this has gone for the last month or two of them squabbling, you're not a true baseball fan. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Well, and, and, and now that you mention that, so, you know, this season is going to be cool, but when the collective bargaining comes up in, what, 2021? Yeah. It's going to be a mess. Awful. 
it's going to be, I, I expect a strike, don't you? Oh, good lord, yeah. Uh, they were they were arguing over one season where there really was, they, they didn't even come to an agreement. This was all set in stone back in March, right. what, they, what they ultimately did. Right. So they argued back and forth and nobody actually won, and all they did is tick off the fans even more. Mm-hmm. You know, baseball's been walking this fine line of fans anyway. Mm-hmm. You have diehards like myself that absolutely love the game, would never walk away from it. But then they have a lot of fans right in the middle that it's, well, honestly, it's a boring game to watch. Mm-hmm. If you go to the game, the atmosphere is fantastic. Watch a game on TV, yeah. even the diehards like me, we still flip back and forth and watch maybe a third of the game. Did they say, are they allowing fans? No. No fans? Not at this point. No. And they, you know, that's that's the tough part with baseball is that's a huge portion of their revenue is at the ticket game. That's why corners were... Well, that's why the big there was a big squabble because, right. you know, they were... They're expecting fans and expecting this big pool of money from fans, and now owners are claiming that you know they're poor because there are no fans. So, you know, I, I can see it from both sides. You know, I can see you know players are putting themselves at risk, you know, health wise, and and uh, owners are not making nearly as money as much money as they were going to. Um, so they've got a plan for that. And they, I mean, that this not only hurts them this season, but it hurts them in, in seasons you know in the future. So. Um, so like, I guess how does this – I wonder how this affects free agency. Well, they, they already settled a lot of that back in March when they came to this agreement. They're, they're, going, they're going to get their year of service. All the players are getting their year of service. The tough part is, is what are they going to be worth? And now what are the owners going to be willing to pay? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's long been whispers of collusion by owners setting the market before it ever becomes a market. Mm-hmm. And they, they're steadfast to it. They won't pay players. They, they get together and say, okay, we're setting the – the bar here, you always get the rogue. You know, the, the angels are always going to pay Mike Trout way more than everybody else, well, because he's Mike Trout. He's worth it. Right. But then everybody else, well, we're not paying veterans. If they're over 32, I'm sorry, I'm not going to pay you anymore. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that happened with the last CBA, which is why this is going to be ugly come next time. Well, that I mean, I, I guess that kind of makes sense because owners were burned in the past. You know, when, when they paid Pujols $250 million, when they paid A-Rod $300 million, once they kind of hit that 32, 33 mark, the, the peak kind of takes a steep dive. Bobby Bonilla's still getting paid. Right. <laughs> hey, that's as far as contract anyone ever signed. Well, shit, they were saying if there was no season, they were saying Prince Fielder's going to be the highest paid player yeah. at, and what, 26 million I think he still is. Is he? Even with the pro region, he's nice. going to be the highest nice. paid player this year. And he hasn't played, what, three years? Right. So I guess let, let's make some predictions. Okay, so uh, let's do AL MVP. I still think it's Trout. Anytime it's Trout, and especially at the sixty-game race, you don't—he's not gonna get worn down. It's anytime Trout's playing, Trout's MVP. Do you think there's any chance in a shortened season that a pitcher could win an MVP? No, I don't think a pitcher ever should win an MVP because they get their own award at Cy Young. Yep, and they only impact the game every five games. I, I just, they have their own award, win their award. They only impact the game every five games. I don't. I, I guess I don't know if I agree with that or not because. I mean, if you have a shutdown pitcher, let's say let's say a guy goes he goes twenty and zero, and I, I guess I guess the MVP is decided before playoffs ever starts, so you can't really count that. But let's say he goes twenty and zero, twenty and one with a one point five, he obliterates. And let's let's say there's no runaway hitter, there's no Mike Trout. You know, Mike Trout has a down year, gets hurt, and there's a guy that hits maybe three ten with say forty bombs and a hundred RBIs. Do you still give the MVP to that guy, or do you give the MVP to the pitcher who went twenty and one with a one five and 
if you pull up the, 300 strikeouts. the handful of years that a pitcher has won the MVP, there's probably one or two that you can make the case that they deserve. And I think Verlander is probably the last that won it. Mm-hmm. And he probably, arguably, could have deserved it. Mm-hmm. But then you go back to like a Willie Hernandez that won it that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there's a couple that are just wide. <laughs> and and in, in most cases, again, you have Cy Yeah. You, there's no, but I, I, there's I, no I, best hitter award. I, you got silver sluggers. Yeah. Um, and you got batting titles. You have your ERA crowns. You know, it's the same idea. You know, there, there's that's a specific st- statistic that they they want to award for. There, it's it's again Cy Young, right? There's no best hitter award. But I mean, if if a guy, I have no problem with a guy if he's that dominant. If he's, I mean, if he's unbeatable as a pitcher. And there's really no clear-cut batting MVP or batting and yeah. defensive MVP. I have, I, if a guy's that dominant, I have no problem him winning both the Cy Young and the MVP. But I would need it to be that dominant, both right. over every other pitcher mm-hmm. and every other bat. Yep. And yep. Just that clear-cut. Yep. My God, I have to give it to this guy. Yep. You know when Dennis Eckersley wins it. Yeah, that was. Was the year he had 50 saves or something? Yeah. Like that, or 40. And it was. And he had a. Actually, I think it was only. Was it only 40. I think it was, it was yeah, but he had like a .9 or right, .89 right. ERA, yep. and he was extremely dominant. But still, he's a reliever. There was no reason for that. Right, right. All right, NL MVP. Oh boy, and that's again. So now you're going to have you're going to have Bellinger and Betts sharing a lot of stuff there. Yelich mm-hmm. is still very, very good. Mm-hmm. With a shortened season, you can see a power hitter just go up. Guys mm-hmm. like Alonzo. Mm-hmm. I I go Yelich. Yelich to me is trial class. He's that good. He's he's if he's not there, he's just a half step below him. I mean, you look at his numbers the last two years again. His same same bug as Trout gets hurt, mm-hmm. but you look at his numbers; they're right there with Trout. I mean, he, I think I think he's a, a triple crown threat every year, mm-hmm. at least for the next couple. And then you throw you throw the speed in there too, which which Bellinger has that too. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be tough for Bellinger's because now he's gonna have bets in there too. Well, Bellinger he doesn't hit for average, though, does he? He's he's three hundred hitter last year. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, he, you know he's gonna steal twenty, you know twenty thirty bases with mm-hmm. with the power and everything else. Yep. With it. And he was a clear cut MVP after Yelich got hurt last year. Like, yep. no doubt about it. All right, so so let's move to Cy Young then. Uh, AL Cy Young. Oh boy, short season. I I probably go with the veteran. I mean, I would have to say it's got to be Scherzer or Verlander. Yep. One of those two guys. Yeah. I mean, so a guy that the guy that's going to get a lot of strikeouts is going to be dominating. So we're going AL. So you got like, would be Scherzer. Oh, I'm sorry, not Scherzer. Verlander. Verlander. I think. You, if, it, if this helped, if this delay helped any one team more than any other team, it's, it's Houston. Because this put everything they did on the back burner. Well, they're going to get less balls thrown at them, so that'll be nice. right. Everybody's starting to forget about how badly they cheated. I don't, I don't, I don't. I think they have to come back <laughs> once they step in the batter's box. Once Altuve leads off the first game of the year, he's getting one between the numbers. I guarantee yeah. it. No, I see him being an up and comer. And you know I'm not gonna go Homer because Barrios is just not that good. But like uh, a Bueller, was it? Bueller's NL. And, and oh, see, that's right. And that, honestly, would be my pick on NL. You know, that's yeah, Giolito is a guy. I'm going. I'm thinking more like a Clevenger. Yeah, Clevenger is very, very good. Yep, very underrated. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Giolito on that. We'll see how that goes. So, I'm and going, then, one of the two young guys out of Cleveland, either Clevenger or Bieber. Bieber, uh, NL. I like Bueller a lot. Yeah, or Scherzer, but. Scherzer showed a lot of regression last year. Nobody wants to say it because they, they won a World Series, but he's got a lot of mileage. 
He showed some regression last year. I'm going young guy, Euler. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say DeGrom. Can't beat that either. DeGrom is just I wish he was on a different team. It's just, there's just so much talent and so much potential wasted there. And maybe it changes this year. Maybe they've added some pieces. I don't think they have, but I mean with Phil Alonso there, Thor is he's out for the season, right? He, he had surgery. Yeah. So there goes the twins ever trading for him. Um <laughs> But, uh, no, DeGrom, I mean, the, the guy is so dominating. I mean, just get that guy to a contender. I mean, you could – if you're such a crappy team, freaking you know how much how much you could get back for him? Well, it's Probably a, a nice veteran and, a, and some prospects. The Mets. The Mets always have a, have a soft spot in my heart. I don't know why. Probably since 86. I loved them in 86 for whatever reason. But they've always been in that tough spot where, on paper, they were always good. Mm-hmm. And then things didn't pan out. But then they always go on a run somewhere throughout the season that said, okay, we shouldn't trade guys. And that potential of three great pitchers, mm-hmm. of Thor, DeGrom, and then a myriad of other guys that could easily be good with Mots or uh, what's his name inside of the Phillies this year. These guys are supposed to be great. Mm-hmm. And if you put a three-headed monster out there that they should be great. And, yeah, Pete Alonso tears it up. And they have a pretty good offense to put together this year. Mm-hmm. No reason they can't make a run. But do they, do they have anybody outside of the Grom? You know, when they had the Grom and Thor, Syndergaard, yeah. it, you know, it's a different story, but now you just got the Grom there. And Off the top of my head. No, they, they, they did. They signed. Um, they went deep this year. They signed They signed some pitchers. They went They mm-hmm. went pretty deep in free agency. Well, they got Stroman last year. That's right. Yep. And then, the, oh boy, it's slipping my mind. I know they went deep, though. Yeah. They were talking. Before Thor went down, they were five or six deep. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know they, they were, they're fairly deep. Not necessarily great deep, but mm-hmm. deep. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk some NFL, uh, and then we'll talk uh, a little bit of NASCAR, too. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sherm Show. All right, so now uh, we're going to dive into the NFL, uh, more specifically the Vikings, uh, talk about kind of what their chances are this year, uh, maybe what what additions they still need to make, uh, talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook, uh, and maybe just get a little prediction on what their record will be and how far they'll make it to the play, into the playoffs. Uh, so I guess first of all, with the Vikings, I see, I still think there's a need in the secondary. You know, we, we signed Harris to the to the uh, to the tag. Uh, we've got Harrison back there. I think we've got what maybe four D backs on the roster right now. Yeah, they, including the draft. No, maybe five, including the draft picks. They drafted the three rookies. Yep. And then of course they have Holden Hill, and then uh, yep, and we got Chris Boyd back there, and then the one hold or. Mike Hughes. Yeah. Yep. And Mike Hughes obviously probably leads that group now. Um, now that um, Trey Waynes and, and Xavier Rhodes are gone. Thank goodness. Actually, Trey, to be honest, Trey Waynes was a serviceable defensive back. Uh, he, I, I just, I've said this in previous podcasts. I just never thought he trusted his instinct or trusted his technique. He was all, he, he was always in the play, but he didn't trust himself to actually be there. So he would always have his back to the ball. Um, he would never turn his head. Anyway, that's 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 smooth now. So Jamal Adams out of New York, the New York Jets, he wants to be traded. 
do you think there's any shot of us getting him? I know he, he named like eight teams, and we weren't on any of those eight teams. Specifically, he wants to go to Dallas. He wants to go to Dallas. But, you know, you really can't name your team in the NFL like you can in other sports. Well, we don't have a cap room to go after him. Well, unless we were, you know, maneuvering with Anthony or with Anthony Harris. That's why, in my mind, you know, we were we were looking to do that anyway. At least that's what the rumor was, and so you know, we've got a tag on him. And, and Jamal Adams said, you know, I don't necessarily need an extension with you know getting traded to a team. I don't necessarily think that makes us better. I, I'm not sold on Anthony Harris being all that, and Jamal Adams is definitely better. Sure, and he would make our team. If you, if you replace Anthony Harris with Jamal Adams, we are a better team. I agree. But in the long run, I don't think it necessarily makes us better. Because now, yeah, so if you if you make that trade and you don't extend him, mm-hmm. then you got nothing, which we more than likely have anyway. Right. So now you're, just, you're trading Anthony Harris and more than likely a future asset for nothing. So do you think you need a future asset? They're not going to do it straight up. Why would they do it straight up? Why not? I mean, because he's a better player. Anthony Harris led the league in interceptions last year. As an asset wise, they, they wouldn't do it straight up. They just wouldn't, and you know that's just pretty pretty understandable that they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't make sense. And, and you know if we're going to trade Anthony Harris, we're looking for cap room. Or I mean, to me, it makes the most sense is if you can work out long term with Anthony Harris, that's cap friendly. Mm-hmm. That would be the best move we can possibly make. What's the tag on him? Like eleven million, something like that. Roughly, yeah, eleven six. Yep. Or I mean. <laughs> What was in uh, the gamble? And the gamble is we thought we could trade him. We couldn't, but the you know that's you know it's not it was it wasn't as much risk as what people think it was. Right? Oh crap, we got stuck with him. It was it isn't that because if we lose him next year, what are we looking at? I think a second round pick is compensatory for him. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty huge asset. Yeah. yeah. So it's not, that's what the risk was, and that's what they looked at. Is like, okay, if we end up with him and we lose him, we get a you know, a, a second round pick or a second or third which is still very worth every bit of it. So it's not as big a deal as it, as it looks like. And I mean, what the Vikings are trying to do right now, which is what all the great teams have done, the great dynasties, a la the Patriots, is they're trying to rotate from being an older team to a younger team and still stay relevant. It's tough to do. Yep. We have the makings to do it because we still have our best players in place. You brought up Delvin Cook. It's mm-hmm. a big part of it. That's That's... A good segue. So you got Dalvin Cook, who wants an extension. He wants to be the highest paid running back in the league. Uh, he makes a good case for it. I would say he's top five. You know, you got Zeke. You got what's his face in, in Carolina? McCaffrey. McCaffrey. And then you know he's probably third after those guys. I would think. Well, distant third. Though. Well, the well that well, you know, you got Saquon. So you know, so maybe there's a fourth and a fifth. So, I don't know. So, you know, I had heard a rumor. There's been a couple rumors. So, I, I saw one, or I heard one a few weeks ago that said a first and a fourth to the Dolphins for Cook. Then I saw one today, and it was to the Saints. So, why a trade to the Saints makes sense. Dalvin, why trading Dalvin Cook to the Saints makes sense. I, unfortunately, I didn't read it, but it, it caught my eye. Is it a good idea for us to trade Dalvin Cook? In a perfect world, no. I mean, the perfect world is he fits our offense. We built our offense around him. If all you know, if he's if he wants to play here and we have the cap room, then the perfect world is to sign him for long term and, and keep him here. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a ton of cap room and we don't have the means to give him all the money he wants. So it puts you in a tough quandary. 
the running back position in the NFL is not valued anymore. Mm-hmm. So you 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 guys have got like guys like McCaffrey and, and Zeke are paid and they're paid way more than all the other running backs for a couple specific reasons. Number one, they're durable. They're on the field for every play. Mm-hmm. Delvin Cook is not on the field for every play. He's never finished a season. That is worth a lot more than just pure talent. Yeah. I think Delvin Cook is every bit as talented as both those guys, just not on the field. Right. If you're not on the field, then how can you ask for as much money as those guys? It, it doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm assuming he's kind of banking on his future, I guess his future uh, performance or output. Yeah, I it's like you said that the running backs window is so short in the NFL. Aside from guys like AP, you know, who's still doing it, what, right. thirty six or whatever he is, who who just came out and said he wants to play four more years today. By the way, <laughs> well, I think that puts him at forty one when he retires. He's still productive. I, he is. I would thousand yards two years ago, nine hundred yards a year ago. I mean, I I I mean, the guy ran for two thousand yards the year after he blew out his knee. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd never bet against the guy. But anyway, actually, that, that, there's an article saying uh, if Dalvin Cook leaves, who 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 replaces him in AP was at the top of the list. I think that would be a great bookend to a career. I would I would agree, and I think he could be successful in that in that offense with him and Madison. I take it. Yeah. No, I I, I can't I can't blame Dalvin at all because this is more than likely going to be his last contract. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't blame it at all for trying to leverage. Mm-hmm. Getting at least his last big one. You know? yeah. Then you get then you get the two year contracts yeah, for you know your, or your you know your one years and yep. minimums and your prove a contracts mm-hmm. and all that. But no, I, I can't blame him. I mean, he just came off a great year. He proved he's a great running back. I can't at all blame him for going after the money yep. and leveraging it as hard as he can right now. He knows he's got the Vikings in a position to where hey, they built everything around him. They still have aspirations of a Super Bowl. They built their entire offense around him to some extent, though they're paying a quarterback a lot of money too. So mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they still have to look at this. Well, wait a minute, we're still paying a quarterback. He probably should be the lead of our offense, not the running back. Right. You know they got to look at it. That's what the Vikings now have to look at. It's like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to bend it over and, and give the running back all the money? Because they can start to look at okay, who can we restructure? Because they can. They can go to Harrison Smith and restructure. They can mm-hmm. go to some of the veterans and say, hey, we want to keep Dalvin Cook. Will you help us out? Mm-hmm. And they more than likely will because they want to keep Delvin Cook too. Mm-hmm. So they can work it and they can make it work, but then it's going to hurt them next year and the year after and the year after that. Yep. So for well, longevity's sake, I think I mean, it's tough to sign. I mean, it's, you know, you talk about windows and, you know, the Vikings window is probably, I mean, they've probably got two years, three years left in that window. And that's quote unquote Super Bowl window. You know, so do you go for broke now? And, and, you know, and then, okay, aren't I guess. You, aren't you sick of that as a Vikings fan, though? Is these windows? Every team has a window. Well, except for the Patriots. Patriots, they just have a, an indefinite window. Well, we'll see how that goes this year. But the reason they have one, one of the reasons they have that indefinite window is they don't pay running backs. That's true. They also don't pay quarterbacks. Yes, Tom, they <laughs> no, they don't. Tom Brady was middle-of-the-pack paid quarterback his entire career in the Patriots. Uh, the, the funny part is. Is Kirk Cousins has never been the highest paid quarterback. He's been roughly about the same pay as Brady. Well, he was for like a minute. Yeah, he kind of, he kind of. Well, they all jumble around. Right. So this is my next question, and this is kind of another need. Do we not need another receiver? 
Oh no, I don't. I don't believe so. You don't think so? I, I think with with the with with the type of offense they're going to run, which is going to be a little more dink and dunk with Thielen, the rookie Jefferson, uh, Tajay Sharp is a pretty darn good slot possession receiver, and BC Johnson showed enough that hey, you get it. those four guys they can get them. Thielen's still a stud. He is. Jefferson, everything they say about him, stud. But if I'm a defense. I'm doubling Thielen every single time. Yeah. I'm going to let these other guys you prove it. You still have two very good tight ends to go with that, too. Yeah. And you have a running back who can catch the ball, too. So We've got to utilize Irv way more. They, and they will. You saw a lot of that at the end of last year. They started running two tight end sets with Irv catching a lot of balls. And, and that's what you'll see. And that's what Kubiak's always been great at is finding those weaknesses and finding But that. why did it take till the end of the year is my question. Well, well, so tight ends are notoriously slow at developing. So I don't blame that at all. You can't name the last rookie tight end that was great. But they're, I mean, when they, when we draft him, they're talking about him being a matchup nightmare for linebackers. And he was to some extent, but he saw he, the thing is that's why it's so tough on on rookie tight ends is they have so many blocking assignments to learn too. So it's not just running routes. Right, right, right. So going back to that your quarterback comment. So another article I read was a destination for Colin Kaepernick, and they said. The Vikings were a perfect fit. If he can play, that, that guess that's my question. You know, so this you know this is a guy who went you know one fourteen his last year in football. Uh, yeah, he had like what twenty touchdowns or fifteen touchdowns and one interception. But the argument was made that a lot of that was in garbage time. A lot of that they were down by twenty points, and he's just he's throwing and throwing and throwing at the end of the game. Um, you know, he was benched for Blaine Gabbert. You know, then he, you know, then you have all the political BS that he brings with him. You know, is is he the type of guy? And I'm, you know, this this conversation may have been beaten to death, but I think I feel like it's been revived. You know, in the past, say three weeks to a month. You know, when all this all this writing came and 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 everyone giving apologies to everyone. And, you know, Goodell saying, you know, I, I give my blessing to a team. You know, what changed between? Then and now. Well, the pressure definitely changed. Right, that's my point. It's and, just and I, no, nothing, nothing talent-wise changed. And that's to me is wrong. I mean, that's not what we're supposed to do, right? We're, we're supposed to look at it just purely on the talent. Nothing else should matter, right? Especially in sports. Sports is always supposed to be the great equalizer. Color, political background, belief—none of that should ever matter. Mm-hmm. You get on the field, only that matters is talent. Mm-hmm. Talent and production. To, to some extent, what you do back in the locker room matters. If you're not a good teammate, mm-hmm. that's bad. Yep. Can't be a cancer. And that's what actually hurt him is some of that. He wasn't necessarily that he was a bad teammate, but he was a distraction. For sure. He brought undue pressure on the team. Yep. Un, uh, you know, distractions that didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. And that hurt. And it doesn't matter if it's the political stuff, even though it was a good cause. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever said it was a bad thing he was doing. Well, that's not true. A lot of people said it was a bad thing, but. It didn't matter. It was a distraction. It didn't. It didn't bring the team closer to their ultimate goal, which is winning Super Bowls. Right. Well, and that's and that's kind of the thing. I that's another reason why I don't think he was ever signed. You know, guys want. You know, Pete Carroll. You know, gave lip service and said, "Oh, he's a great guy." I, I wish I signed, signed him. Yeah. Right. And it's just that's a great thing to say, but you know, you could have signed him. And my point is that you, you know, number one, you don't want that type of distraction at all. But to have that distraction for a, for a guy who's probably not even going to start. What's what's the point? 
it's just you know what's yeah. what it's it's just like it's there's no there's no benefit there. It's just like okay, you know, let's talk about football. Yeah. You're never going to talk about football. I never quite understood why. Well, so talent wise, I don't believe he was talented enough to be a starter ever in the NFL. Really? After after the fact, right? So there was that two or three year window where the read option was unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Defense couldn't figure it out. You didn't need to know how to throw the ball for it to work. The defense started figuring out, and you needed to know how to throw the ball to be able to accomplish the same thing. Mm-hmm. Guys like Russell Wilson can still accomplish it, and a lot of the new quarterbacks coming out. And Lamar Jackson, I, I thought he was going to be a one-and-done on this because if, if you watch him in his rookie year, the guy could not throw the ball. Right. He couldn't hit a broadside of the barn. Remind me of like a Tim Tebow. It was ugly. Right. Last year, he was marginally better mm-hmm. at throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. And even still a little questionable, which is mm-hmm. why he got his butt kicked by Tennessee last year. Right. Because they put a lot of pressure on him, and he needed to throw the ball, and he couldn't do it when he needed to. Yep. But he's going to get better, and it's going to be fun to watch him. Because if he continues to get better at throwing the ball, he's going to be fine. If he doesn't get better at throwing the ball, he's going to be in the same boat as Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can run, but you're going to get your you just gonna get knocked around, and you're going to be done. Right, right. Right, so you still got to be able to throw the ball. Kaepernick could not throw the ball. Yep. Great, he had great arm, cannon, but was inaccurate, mm-hmm. and that's what killed him. Yep. Same thing with RG3. RG3 also shredded his knee, which hurt him as well. Right. Uh, you got guys Killed like, his mobility. Yeah, Kyler Murray can throw the ball to go along with the, the great running. And that's that's really the biggest difference. That's what hurt Kaepernick as time went on. Mm-hmm. The one thing that intrigues me about a guy like Kaepernick, which is why I wouldn't ever mind seeing him as a backup. I would never want to see him start a game. A good friend of mine talk about this all the time. I want to see him as my third quarterback. Or I actually want him to be as my backup on game day. Because if my quarterback goes down, I want him to come in as my change of pace. Okay. That makes sense. Can't stop him. Right. I don't want him to start the next week, but I want him in that game to change the pace. Yep. Because that would be fun to watch, and he would win that game. And they have a game plan for that. Correct. Yep. But then the next week, I want a guy that can actually throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So that part of it intrigues me. So I don't mind him being on a team, because I think that change of pace and what he could bring on that side of it would mm-hmm. be fantastic. He's a talented person. He's he's athletic. He, he's a football player, mm-hmm. but I just don't think he's a starter. Right. That's Those are good points. So, prediction, Vikings record this year. Uh, I'm going to give them a, 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 be optimistic and say 10 and 6. 10 and, and that's, 6. And that's hoping the young guys come together. Or do they win the division? Mostly because I think the division sucks. I think the Packers are going to be a hot mess. They had an awful draft. Rodgers, with a chip on his shoulder, could be scary good. Well, that's my point. I mean, but he still has no receivers. They had no receivers last year. And he wasn't very good. But they went, what, 12-4 and four and yeah. went to the NFC title game? But they're going to play a first-place first schedule this year. They had, a, they had an easy schedule last year. I, NFL is very fickle that way. It changes in a heartbeat. Bears are still gonna be the Bears. Detroit's no better. No. I well I think I think I think the Bears they're gonna start Trubisky. Trubisky's gonna suck and that'll be it. Well I, I I think Foles will start probably game. I don't think I don't think Trubisky will start. I think it'll be Foles for big one. Really? I, I don't know. I've just I Foles is terrible. I've never I I think Foles has his moments, but as as an everyday guy, I just don't think I, I just think Players are going to have more confidence in Foles. I think that Trubisky lost the team by the end of the year. But why should they have confidence? Just because he won a Super Bowl? I mean, he was I, horrible in Jacksonville last year. I just think he understands the offense. And he's simply more accurate. Yeah. He's just a better quarterback. Not that he's necessarily that great. He's just better than Trubisky. I mean, what happened to Trubisky? Because 
Rookie year, he was, he was horrible. Second year, he was he was pretty Their defense decent. was so good. And then third year, he just fell off a cliff. Because he was expected to do more again. Yeah. He was playing with so many short fields. And, again, they, they had they had some quirks there. The dynamic with – well, and, and running backs meant a lot, too. And they let Howard go. Mm-hmm. And they had the, the dynamic of Howard and Cohen. That matters. Mm-hmm. And they were running a lot off those two. And then Trubisky really didn't have to do much of anything. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of naked bootlegs, and yeah, there's a guy wide open. I don't know. Trubisky at times he looks good, but most of the time he's very inaccurate, running for his life. And their line, their line has gotten a lot worse too. Their line was good two years ago; it was not good last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings, I guess, optimistic at chances. Will they win the division? It'll be, be, be it, as always. It'll be between them and the Packers. Okay, so we know. All right, okay, so you and I kind of agree that on the ten and six, I don't think it's going to win the division. You think it will? Uh, I, I think it'll be a wild card. So let's talk about a Super Bowl. Who who's in the Super Bowl? Uh, that is one of the hardest things in the world to me to predict is Super Bowl in, in NFL. There's so much parity in the NFL. It, the, the only thing I can predict is I will say the Patriots will not make the playoffs. Oh, the playoffs at all. This is the first time in as long as I can remember I can honestly say that and say it very easily. Okay. I, I don't know how it can happen. Uh, I'm going to say it's Tampa. Oh, boy. From the NFC. They got, they got a defense? They'll just outscore everybody. So. You got TB12 throwing the ball. Has, you got Gronk. You got they, they have a great Mike Evans. Player. They don't have a running back. They don't need one. But Brady has not been that good the last three years. He had no receivers last, last year. No receivers last year. And they still went, what, 12-4? and four? I, I'm intrigued because he is not, I mean, statistically he has been, even with, when they you start doing the analytics on him with open receivers and what he's had, not been that great. He hasn't scored out very well. I will never, ever bet against Tom Brady. I won't either. I won't bet against the GOAT. Ever. I, I, can, I can agree with you that he's the GOAT, and it's hard for me to say because I don't care for him, but, <laughs> but he is the GOAT, and it's going to be intriguing with, with Evans and uh, his other receiver. also very good. And then, uh, Chris Godwin. Yeah. Godwin. On the on the AFC side, God, I, Kansas City, man. Well, I think City, yeah. I mean, they're so stacked. I don't – and I think they beefed up their defense. So, I mean – What's to stop them? I mean, I, I think it'll be Tennessee and KC in the AFC championship again. Yeah, Tennessee's tough because will Tannehill repeat what he did last year? It's a good question. Baltimore will be there. Yep. I like the idea of the Colts with Rivers. Uh, I've, I've never had any faith in Rivers. I've, he's just He turns the ball over too much. He takes too many chances. Uh, I don't think his arm strength is there. I think he's old. He has no mobility. NFC, you can't bet against Breeze. I don't know, man. I mean, after this whole after this whole thing, uh, I just don't know that his team is behind him anymore. It's just, I mean, he like everyone in the league just turned their back on him, which I thought was it was shocking to me. I'm like, this dude who's given millions of dollars in New Orleans, he's been just uh, it 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 shocked me. And he didn't he didn't even disagree with anything. He just. He said, "I don't agree with people kneeling for the kneeling for the flag, kneeling on the flag, kneeling for the anthem." Right. He didn't disagree with any of the statements of it. He, did, he just simply just that, it, which you know I, I don't at all want to get political. I, I don't understand how he cannot have that opinion. 
Right. It's but it's it. I see how mm-hmm. and why it affected. It was poor timing. It was very bad. It was, it was the wrong was, time to say it. Right. It I, was I just like agree with that. you keep that. Yeah. You shut up. Yeah. You shut right up. Time, just not the right time to nope. share that opinion. Nope. I agree with that. You're allowed to have that opinion, but don't say it now, because holy crap! I mean, he just about got canceled. So you know, I felt bad for the guy because you know I I'm I'm with him. You know I don't you know I'm not I don't agree with with kneeling during the anthem. You know, I think there are better, uh, more effective ways to protest. I would uh, more effective ways to get the same message across. Sure. Um, agree with that. And you know what? And people say it's their right. It's you know, honestly, it's not. It's in a private setting, it's not. NFL is a private business. Correct. If they require you to stand for the anthem, then that's you know that's your duty. But now it sounds sounds like Goodell is kind of you know caved to the pressure and, and yeah. is going to allow it. Well, and, and I don't even mind that given what is going on right now, and, and that's okay for him to backtrack and for the NFL to back off and say, you know what, because of what's going on, right. We're okay with you doing that now because now the message needs to be sent. Right, and that's that's perfectly okay as a business to do that too. Right, and, and, and that and that's a good point. I think I think now the message is clear. Yeah. You know, it's just, this is why we're doing this, and you know, it's 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 kind of shown through, uh, you know, the, all the political protests. So no, I, I I you know I I I don't think fans. I definitely don't think fans will boo people. No, for kneeling, uh, where I think they have in the past. Yeah, because it, it wasn't. The, the circumstances weren't the same. Right. Exactly. It, it, it was not. It was not as. Um, I guess it wasn't as prevalent. Yeah. It wasn't. It, it wasn't as prevalent. It wasn't as visual. It wasn't. It wasn't in the news every single day. Um, so people. I. I, th- I don't think people understood um, the point. Understood the point they were trying to make. Now I think it's. 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 It's so overwhelming now. Just the news and 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 that is. People and I think people cancel culture is kind of taken over where people don't want to put themselves out there because Twitter or Facebook you put something out there that's that's against the grain and you're done mob rule mob rule and it's it's a shame it's come to that and I've always said I've always hated social media just because I, I think it it promotes it promotes vanity it promotes mm-hmm. narcissistic behavior you know you have that like button that's all people want they want mm-hmm. the retweets and all that stuff. Uh, you know that's you know we're kind of getting off 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 uh, off subject here, but that's you know it's it's kind of the the age we're in now. So I'll bring us back. So you put it on Facebook on, on topics to talk about. So I'll bring us back to um, we promised to talk about the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, hold on. Okay, so okay, we'll we'll take a quick break. Uh, then we'll we'll get to um, first real quick after our break. I'll we'll talk about the NASCAR news situation. And then we'll get into uh, our listener uh, questions. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Sherm Show. Uh, So before we get into viewer comments or viewer questions, I wanted to kind of dive into this NASCAR news um, that's been on the news. Uh, it was a, it was a huge, huge ordeal. Uh, you know, they they investigated it as a hate crime, and you know, they all the all the uh, racers marched with Wallace, not Rusty Wallace. What's his name? Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. Uh, not a huge NASCAR fan, but 
So it turns out it was not a noose, but just a garage pull-down cord. Uh, I saw a picture of it. doesn't look much like a noose. It's, uh, it's yeah, it looks just like something you grab a hold of and pull your garage door down. But kind of watching the news and, and kind of watching people's reactions, it's almost as if people were disappointed that it wasn't a noose. Is I mean this is this this is where we're at in today's world, and, and I I apologize for getting political, but it it, it kind of melds with sports right now, and you know with Kaepernick and and you know basketball players, you know doing Black Lives Matter and things like that. It's they kind of go hand in hand at this point. So and it just it feels like okay, and I'm all for Black Lives Matter as far as as far as the notion. I'm not for the group because the group is a different thing than the actual statement. Saying Black Lives Matter, you know, I'm not one of those guys saying all lives matter because, you know, at this point in time, we're focusing on black America because they're the ones uh, that feel the strike. They're the ones that feel under attack. So I get it why they're saying that. I get it that they that that needs uh, a more poignant statement. Now, the group itself, that's. They're a Marxist group, and we won't get into that. That's that's for another time, and another discussion, another podcast. But this this feels like it almost is a is a is a step back in that in that progress to where okay, so all these people were hoping that it was a real noose. They were hoping that it was a, a hate crime, and I, I think they were they were hoping that to to further their point, which is it's sad. I mean, don't you agree? It's sad that we're we're at this point in our society to where it's almost they want this manifest destiny to where okay, this proves that number one that NASCAR is a racist fan base, and you know, and with all those people with the Confederate flags, you know, that's a different argument. But you you know, you have all these, I mean, I'm sure you have supporters of Bubba Wallace, you know, fans of Bubba Wallace. So it's it can't all be like that. So it drives me crazy to to see. And to get the the feel that people want it to be a hate crime. Yeah, I, well, I think a couple points to add to that is, I think when the news came out, I don't think, I, I, first of all, I don't think people were surprised. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, that makes sense. Right. And, and then when it came out, well, this isn't true. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to, well, no, it's still a news. Mm-hmm. It's been there for a while, but it's still a news. Right. And then there's people saying, well, no, it's just a nod. Mm-hmm. And now there's conflicting reports on that too, and and you know if it is a news, it's still bad, and it right. shouldn't be there, and you know it's a terrible joke, and whatever the reason, and and well, and the thing is, Bubba still pushed that narrative even after he, he still was is. In, yeah, even after I think he just let out a statement tonight where he was saying, you know, where he kind of admitted, okay, if it wasn't a news, you know, that's great, but the the point doesn't change or the fight doesn't change, and that's fine. That's I think that's the point he should have made. Right away, instead of still pushing back and said, "No, it wasn't noose. I know a noose when I see one." Even though the FBI, who had 15 agents investigating this, said, "This is this is just a garage rope or whatever." Yeah, they had you know pictures of him standing by it two days ago. They had pictures of it from last fall. Yeah. this is not uncommon for them to see this exact same sure you know loop. But like you said, though, it's yeah, people are disappointed and they're still trying to push that narrative that. Mm-hmm. And the reason being, I think a lot of it is, is, you know, NASCAR is looked at as, you know, redneck, yep. predominantly white. Mm-hmm. We got, we're trying to break down that wall, break down the, anything that is predominantly white needs to just go away. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not necessarily against that, but we don't have to force it, mm-hmm. right? It, it needs to. We need to keep pushing for that to be more inclusive. To we, you know, there should be more black drivers. Mm-hmm. Well, there they also need to want to be more black drivers. Mm-hmm. But the NASCAR also needs to open up and be more inclusive too, to allow it too. So, but yeah, to, to push this narrative and, and to try to force it, that's that's bad too because that's not inclusive. Right. It's that's just creating more hate. That's just creating more. Right. It's divisive. We we live in a stupid time. Twenty twenty is the dumbest year in the existence of the human race. Okay. Let's brighten things up a little bit. Uh, we will get get into uh, our viewer questions. All right. So first question, Justin McCullum. Why does Dan consider himself the greatest <laughs> slow pitch softball player in the area? Uh, I don't, by any means. But the area, you mean as in my garage? Uh, no, I think he's talking the Mankato area. Well, I mean, the, in my garage right now, it's, it's Chris Sherman and I, and I definitely consider myself the greatest softball player in my garage. Ah, uh, boy. Um, hitting, maybe. Fielding? <laughs> I That's debatable. I remember Justin told me I have the best range he's ever seen in the shortstop. Yeah, I mean, you have to have some range because you got to run it all the way over to first. <laughs> That's a good one. But uh no, I remember I remember when I used when we first started playing together, you had you had a couple you had a little fan base and they were on our team. And they <laughs> your head is big right now because well, of how because of how big they pumped it. They loved them some damn doling <laughs> softball. My goodness. It was about sixty pounds lighter and 20 pounds or 20 years younger <laughs> and a lot more hair, a lot more hair. That was before you started shaving it. Yeah. But, uh, boy, there was, there was a little Dan Dulling fan club at that point in time. We'll see. Oh, I can play a little ball. <laughs> I, I still never considered myself the greatest. I was, I was up there. I could play. You, you yeah, I'm not going to, I don't disagree. There's, there's, there's a good bat there. There's a good arm there. At one point in time, there was some range a long time ago, long but time ago. long time ago. Uh, all right. Oh, and okay. So next question. Oh, Justin has another question. <laughs> uh, did Dan really catch that ball in the championship game? Uh, Chad Rodermacher was umping. That's that would be the uh, co-ed championship of two thousand and nine. Oh, roughly ten nine. I want to say two thousand nine. Yeah, ten eleven years. Ten years ago, eleven yeah somewhere. So let me let me set this up. So uh, we. I think we were down at the time. And no, we were up at the time. Were we up? Okay. Up and I think it was ba- was it bases loaded? Uh, first and second. First and second. So the other team at first and second. One out. Doling is playing right center. Right center. And he, he does his best impression of Jackie Robinson. <laughs> over the shoulder, going towards the center field fence. I saw it. He caught it. There was no – he wasn't even – he was probably a good six, seven feet from the fence, but – Chad Rademacher, who was umping the game at that point in time, uh, says Dan bobbled it and it bounced off the fence. Well, I did bobble it. It did pop up out of my glove. Yep. Uh, I did catch it. I And you weren't anywhere near the fence. I was not anywhere near the fence. As soon as I caught it, I fired into second yes. because the runner took off. Right. It was a double play. Right. The game was over. We just won the championship. But no. Umpire called it no catch. No catch, and they score two. Uh, they scored one to tie. I thought, didn't they go up one in the bottom? They didn't. So we were tied going in the bottom? We were tied going in the bottom. Okay, this is 11 years ago. Okay, so we're tied going in the bottom. And Well, 
to precede that, I after he made the bad call, I then turned to the right fielder just to make sure. I, and I asked my, my friend Jeremy Baldwin, I go, I caught that right? He goes, yeah, you caught it. Because he was 10 feet away from me. Right, right, right. Just to make sure. So there's witnesses here. Right, right. And so then he goes, yep, go after him. So I immediately went in and had a conversation with the umpire. <laughs> and mind you, now all the other games on all the other fields were done. So there was probably 100 people watching this game. Yeah. All of them were yelling at the umpire at this point because everybody saw the same thing the rest of us saw. And if you know Chad, it's not, it doesn't help you to yell it at him. It did not help. No. <laughs> uh, so then the next inning, the bottom of the seventh, or the next, the bottom half of the inning. Eighth. So that was we finished the seventh tied because we didn't score. We okay. go to the eighth. Is that when Alex hits? Alex hits the, a triple. Well, he tried to stretch into a triple. Correct. Gets thrown out by a mile, and for some reason argues it. Well, I think he he think he thought he slid under the tag. Maybe he did. He did. But the through the throw beat him by like three steps. So every umpire in the area is going to call that out. You know, you might get a guy that might get down the line and look at it, you know real close, but. No umpire man kid is going to do that, especially Dave Gettle. Um, so, so, uh, so he gets he gets thrown out of third. He does not agree and gets and bumps Chad Rodemacher. No, puts a finger in his chest. Puts a finger in his chest. Immediately gets ejected and should have. Right, but you should have too. I should have gone with him as the manager. Right, which but, wouldn't have mattered. Well, it, it could have mattered. Right. Uh, so we substitute Zach Mack for Alex. Which didn't matter at that moment, but then the next inning in the bottom of the ninth. So nobody scored that inning either. Nope. So we're in the ninth. Zach triples. Triples. And he's the last man in the lineup. He is the last man in the lineup. I lead off. We would have taken it out if I had gotten booted. Right. So then we had a girl come up. I think she got out. No, Megan knocked in the win- knocked in Zach. No, I didn't. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I, did. I think Megan got out. That could be. Then he would have been leading. I hit it down the third baseline. Yep. Zach comes in. And I think that was it. I don't think we, we scored. Were top, we were top. We were yes, top. Because That's, Megan made that diving catch. You're right. She made to win it. it. Yep. 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 So yep. That, that was a great championship. Yeah, it was a fun championship. And the, it was just cool because, there were, like I said, there was 100, 150 people watching the game. Right, right. And drama. And anyway, we ended up winning the championship. And yeah. then afterwards, Chad admitted that he did everything wrong. <laughs> Not true at all. <laughs> he's still, he's still <laughs> 11 years later, he still denies that Dan caught it. Whether Dan caught it or not, it didn't matter. We're champions, so and nobody can, of, nobody can ever take that away from us, Justin. The way I see it, we won the game twice. <laughs> All right. So uh, next question, Adam Warnke, prediction for the 2020 Las Vegas Raiders. Is this a real question? I, okay. So uh, my prediction is I, I don't. I mean, they're gonna have. You know, they say there's a Vegas effect. I don't think. There's a such thing. I think they go seven and nine, maybe six and ten. I don't. I. I don't think John Gruden's a good coach. I think he won the Super Bowl because of Tony Dungy. They got markedly better last year. I'll, I'll give. I'll give them. I'll give the Raiders a little credit. They. They got a lot better than people gave them credit for last year. Uh, there is a Vegas effect to some extent. So, judging off the hockey team, the hockey team won twenty one of their first twenty three games at home, which is ridiculous. Now teams adjusted. They stopped giving them a day off. Mm-hmm. They stopped flying in a day early. Mm-hmm. And then it, they adjusted to the league level after that. Mm-hmm. They started giving them a day off after. But it was, it was ridiculous because any team that flew in a day before lost. 
Hmm. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but so they started doing. They stopped doing that. They started flying in the day of, and everything was fine. But it, it's but this year's gonna be weird because Vegas isn't Vegas, so it's, right. it's it'd be different. But they'll they'll be they'll have crazy fans. They'll have they'll travel. Right. I mean, nobody nobody hates going to Vegas. Right. I mean, that's you know. well, and just the Raider fans will travel. They'll go. Well, what's that? A three hour drive for them, something, something like, like that. that? Yeah. yeah, I suppose they are crazy. I mean, they are nuts. I don't think I think Gruden is overrated as a coach. Again, I I think the only reason he won in Tampa because that was Tony Dungy's team. The only reason he was good for a couple years with the Raiders before was Rich Gannon was his quarterback. He had MVP years. He had Jerry Rice at forty getting a thousand yards receiving. I I think he puts together a good team. I think he puts together a good culture. I don't know how good of excellent knows he is, but I, I think he puts together a team. Yep. And then I, you know, how long before Mario starts? Or does Mario start game one? It doesn't. It doesn't seem like he likes Carr. He doesn't. I, and there's been so many rumors about him, but I still think Carr has talent. I do too. I do too. But if Gruden doesn't like you, you're they, screwed. They've given him the weapons. If Gruden doesn't like you, you're screwed. Yep. I'm gonna say six and ten. You say what? I'll go seven and nine. Seven and nine. Yeah. All right. So Adam, there you go. Seven and nine. Don't bet on him. Uh, next one. This one's kind of for me. Uh, Joseph Wrath of Khan asks, how about comparing and contrasting the various met- various methods of traveling between James Harden and Mark Munson and commenting on who's traveling is more egregious, <laughs> who travels more, etc. That should fill a few podcasts, really. <laughs> they both travel just blatantly, uh, just in different ways. You know, Harden's got his step back. His Euro step, I mean, I, I think is, I don't think it's a travel. It's just I hate the Euro step. I think it's ruined NBA basketball. I think it's the ugliest thing um, ever. Thank you, Manager Ginobili. But um, yeah, I think you know Harden's is a step back, and he takes he'll take a step and then boom, boom, he'll set his feet into in two steps. Munson, um, he, his is more of a thriller move, like Michael Jackson. Um, he kind of comes to the lane and does a couple different spin moves, or he'll do a jump stop and then step. Uh, but his jump stop is 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 two feet instead of instead of two feet at different times instead of two feet at one time. Um, so, so to be fair, Harden about half the time puts a shuffle in there too. Oh, and it's it's a travel at least half the time. It's just it's it's so blatant, and I it, it drives me nuts that the NBA won't call it. I mean, he's 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 the caliber of player he is because he cheats. If he didn't have that step back, he would not be open to shoot the threes that he shoots. I used to think watching the pick and roll, specifically John Stockton and Carmelo, was the boringest basketball to watch in the world. Mm-hmm. It's not anymore. <laughs> yeah, you just have guys just doing the shuffle step back and shooting 30% from three-point The James Harden one-man game is the most awful basketball to watch. Oh, gosh. I can only imagine Munson being that much worse. Oh, he's, 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 we call him the white hole. He's, <laughs> you pass the ball to him, you're not seeing it again. It's, it's, he's doing his little thriller move. And, you know, I will give him this. He's the craftiest SOB I've ever seen on the basketball court as far as getting the ball up to the rim, regardless of his travel. He does these little scoop things and this little left handed hook. It just it it like he'll 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 scoop his arm right under your armpit and get the ball up and make it seventy five percent of the time. It's just maddening. Um, that's why I love the foul crap out of him. But um, but yeah, so 
I mean, he travels every time, but we've kind of we've kind of just belayed to the fact that you know he's a he needs to travel because he's a subpar player. Anyway, thanks for the question, Joe. Uh, next question comes from actually Chris Shuba just kind of made a comment. Greg Shuba, what up, Shuba? Uh, is dying to be a guest on the show. We'll definitely get you on here. And there are no prizes like Ellen. I don't have a budget. <laughs> Cody, my boy Cody Salib, we used to work with. Will there be a baseball team with less than ten losses or wins this season? No, that's you're talking eighty-three percent win percentage and/or loss percentage. That is ridiculous. I'm trying to think who came in dead last last year. Uh, Tigers were, or yeah, who took first? Yeah, Tigers were. Tigers? Yeah, and it wasn't. I mean, you're talking 100 losses is, no, that's, no. Well, I mean, what's... Is a, 70, a, 70, a 70 win percentage is... is so what what they have? They have maybe 110 losses? Yeah. 110, so that means 50 wins? Right, which is 72, 73% loss percentage. That's yeah. a monumental difference. That would be just a, an absolute just You'd tank of a tank. Yeah. Okay. That'd be awfully tough. That'd be. T- I, I mean, I would take large amounts of money. Fifty and ten. You don't think it's? You think it's some of the greatest fans of baseball? I. Uh, you think like well, and actually, I was just reading on this today. He's going to have sorry, the, mm-hmm. the Dodgers a couple years ago went on that great run and went like mm-hmm. forty three and seven in a fifty game span, and that's still not enough. When Seattle won what one hundred and ten was that? That's 50, 10, not, 10, that's 15 years still ago. Still not enough. Wow. Yeah, so that'd be pretty tough. Yeah, it would. I, Especially I with abbreviated spring training. Yeah. Players ro- ro- revolving in and out. I mean, I let me let me let me put it to you this way though. Okay, so so you have this coronavirus though, and it hits it. If you have one team that magically stays untouched and stays healthy and comes out of spring training just on fire, boy, it'd be a magical world. I mean, let let's say you have like a like a Florida Marlins or something like this. You know, some. The losses is probably more probable. That's my point. I think let's say let's say you have a team that was ravaged by coronavirus and they have to start a bunch of minor leaguers. And it's most a bad team to begin with. That, right. That's probably your best chance of it. Right. But even even then, I yeah, mean, no. it'd have to be a pretty. Yeah. Okay. Good question, Cody. All right. Next question, Prentice. Do you think the MLB will get through the season? And what do you think they'll do if multiple players test positive? And then is question B is what's the deal with Sano? Yeah, I think I, I don't I don't see any scenario where Major League Baseball stops the season in the middle. I don't either. Cause, I mean, first of all, money driven, right? So yep. their big money, their big prize is playoffs. Yep. One billion dollars sitting there for them in playoffs. So that's gonna be their big big drive. They're running a sixty man roster, so they're putting all the precautions in place. To head everything off the pass. If they have someone test positive, they're going to sit them, move somebody else in. So, mm-hmm. uh, much like any essential job is doing right now, yep. it's, it's, they're, they're going to do the same thing. And what's the deal with Sano? I think he is going to become what he is, which is a home run hitting first baseman. I'm wondering if he's talking about the stuff that's going down in Dominican. Oh, yeah. That, I, where you know, he was charged with kidnapping or something like that? Uh, he's been extorted. Is now what is coming out. That's 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 what he was claiming, but it hadn't. It was something like he, some maybe I think a guy had beat up a girl he knew or something or a cousin, and he went like three guys went there to I don't know. 
I don't know. Well, it's tough. With, Stuff it, goes down. Anything that happens in VR is. I I don't know why guys go back there, man. Like I. Yeah, before you know. Like some crazy years. stuff happens Always. down there. And it's usually dealing with somebody trying to get money out of somebody. Yeah. I, I, it's I'm, just. I'm guessing because I, I, I read a blip on it and I, mm. I never read it. I mean, I'm sure he's got family there, but I would just get them all up here. You got enough money. Just buy him a buy him a big old house and yep. say everybody live here. Yep. I mean, I'm sure there's citizenship issues and what and whatnot, but God, I would just or send him money or something. I mean, it just seems like something's waiting for you. That's not good. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Got to cover the next one. <laughs> how did it feel? This is from my wife. Love you. Uh, how did it feel when we raced in January and I beat you? So let me set this up. So we go, we go to her uh, work, and I hope nobody from work, her work listens to this. I, actually, I think it's okay. But we go to her work sometimes, and it's just empty, and it's just a place where the kids can run around and not break anything, just have tons of space. So we, we do this every few weeks in the wintertime just because there's nothing else to do in cold Minnesota. Um, so we're in there, and uh, we're racing. It's a big circle. There's this huge like all these classrooms in the middle and there's this big hallway that goes all the way around in a circle, like a track. And she's racing the kids. I'm like, why don't you and I race? And she's like, okay. So we go. And my plan was, I'm just going to, I'm going to let up and I'm going to, I'm going to pump through at the end and just, you know, (laughs) so we're racing and we go and we're going around this corner and I'm just kind of jogging beside her and I let her get a little bit ahead. And then in the straightaway, I just, I bolt, right? And I'm coming up beside her, and she nudges me. She nudges me out. And so I, I get an elbow into her, and I push her. <laughs> I push her out just from instinct. It was I wasn't trying to hurt her or anything like that. I was just trying to make some room for myself so I actually finish the race and win. And uh, she ends up winning the race, even though I, she, I mean, she, she literally nudged me out. She, like, you know, she ran into my lane. And I think that's illegal in track and field. Were, uh, were rules put in place before this started? No, no. Okay. It's just, you know, just common courtesy, you know, just being a good sport, you know. And she, you know, if she needs to do that to win, that's fine. And, you know, I'll give her credit. You know, she she worked hard for that win. <laughs> and she retired right away. So when I read the comments, I had Seinfeld pictured. The yep, false, yep. The false start. That's what oh, I had yeah. in my head. No, there was no false start. <laughs> I think I even let her go ahead a little bit, and and uh, you know, I, she retired right away and did her Lance Armstrong, and there's what it is. So, yep, she won. She she deserves the credit. Anyway, uh, next from our friend Wes is Delante West, really LeBron's dad, asking for a friend. This is my favorite question of all. <laughs> you know what? They kind of. Well, what he's referencing there is uh, Delonte West may or may not have dated Ryan's mom right, for a right, period of time. For a period of time, and that you know, if if he is LeBron's dad, and at that point they were getting back together, you know, I will say that LeBron does kind of resemble Delonte in the face a little bit. I don't know, you know just in structure. I like the rumor. I'll keep. Yeah, it going. I mean, it's just. I mean, how can you be on a team with a guy who's dating your mom? I would. I would assume he wasn't for it. But <laughs> what do you do? Delonte West has ever been a crazy so. Yeah, I feel bad for that guy. I don't know if you remember that video yeah. that came out maybe last year. It's just he's, like, oh boy, he's in a tough spot. how did you get to that point in your life? Uh, anyway, I hope he got help. Uh, next from Kevin Newman, I'd really like to know your thoughts on the NBA and how they navigate the COVID situation. 
uh, just like they're doing. They're going to be in a bubble, although a few guys have gotten COVID, uh, but they'll self-isolate and they'll be fine to go by the end of July. I think they're doing this the, the correct way, you know, isolating just, you know, the entire league in a bubble and, and playing in one spot. Yeah, I think they're going to put on a pretty good show. Yeah. It's it, It'll be interesting. Empty gyms will be weird. And they're talking about pumping noise or pumping noise from, from either fake noise or from fans online. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I From the fans online perspective, I think Mark Cuban said that. That's a pretty innovative idea. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. And when I read that, too, I was like, that mm-hmm. that, that intrigues me because right. that, that can give you a home crowd feel. And mm-hmm. I just wonder if players really – if it really affects them in that way as far as getting that adrenaline – Aside I, from people being in the stands and seeing people rise, and yeah, I mean, I think to them it's going to be more pickup games yeah. than anything else. And, yep. and their competitive juices are going to get them going the way, way it needs to be anyway. And uh, I, I think they're going to, they're doing this the right way, and it's it's for the way they're going to play the game and what they're doing. It's going to be perfectly fine. Yep, and, I agree. And this uh, NBA and the baseball is so much different than NBA football hockey because those are all physical games where there's a lot more contact and close proximity and honestly baseball is way more safer than mm-hmm. all of these mm-hmm. and that's why it's so important for them to do the bubble to be isolated mm-hmm. so much more so yep agreed uh we're gonna skip Gettle's question because oh, it's it, it's rude well it's it answers itself right i mean it, what's is, is it even a question I mean, as long as we don't get crappy umpires right uh, well Thank God Gettle's having shoulder surgery. So, Tiff, Tiff Ahern, uh, can you please ask Dan what the turning point would have been in league volleyball game five had we won last winter? I was in Mexico, meaning me, Sherm. Uh, so they were doing the best they could with subs. I realized it was a big drop-off after I left, so I'll Ooh. let you answer that. Um, I'm trying to remember. We were playing a very good team. Game five. I'm not sure what she means by that. I think maybe she meant game two. Because you guys lost in two, didn't you? Yeah. But you you were close in game one, I think, right? Well, it was a good run in both, and we got stuck in a rotation. And the team we were playing, we were playing with five different people we didn't play with all year. Oh, yeah, that's, that's always fun. Um, well, I mean, again, you know, being full of myself, I would have said, you know, feed me the ball no more. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. No, uh, no, that's well. That's where we got we got stuck a little. Um, we didn't get the ball to Tiff enough. I know that. Yeah, that's Tiff was a great addition. Once she, once she got rolling, once she got in her groove, yeah, she. Well, and I would have liked to see her hit more too. Yeah, yeah. She, I think she probably would have would have uh, or would agree with that. Um, and you know, that's something we can shoot for next year. Mm-hmm. We'll need a new setter, but we'll work on that. So who we had? we had we had Bev, Tiff, and who was our third girl by the end of the year? Because we would have had, oh no, yeah, we she was back. Was she back for? I don't think she was back for playoffs. Who did we have? Oh, um, no, we had we had uh, Mueller. Yeah, Jen was. Playing. Oh, Jen Mueller, that's right. Jen would have been setting. Yeah. Yep. She can get two though. Mm-hmm. So can Beth when she gets feisty. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's all the questions we have for today. We'll take one more quick break and then we'll get to Sherm's top five. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Sherm Ship. All right, now we're doing Sherm's top five. And this week's top five will be the top five hitters of all time. Ooh. Top five hitters of all time. So I'm going to name my five, and you can interject at any time and argue, but I'm going to name my five, and then you can go off if you want. Uh, so obviously Ty Cobb's got to be in there, right? Okay. Pete Rose has got to be in there. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say Ted Williams has got to be in there. I think he should be number one. Well, I'm not. I, this is any <laughs> order, any order. Uh, Tony Gwynn and Wade Boggs. Those are my five. Okay. Any holes you see? Any Boggs? I, I like Boggs. I like him a lot. Hey, it's probably too early to say it, but I think Trout is one of the greatest baseball players of all time. I can't disagree with that. I, I, I I'm, I'm thinking it's too early. I know there's a cloud there, but Barry Bonds is still wow. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. I, I I I would say he's a five A or five B. And I don't know how you can have a list without Babe Ruth on it. Yeah, I you know I he's top ten to me. I'm top five. I mean, there's well, you have there's, to. There's so many pure hitters. Was he a pure hitter? Or was he just a power hitter? Oh, he, he's still routinely well over three hundred. And just and just on how dominant he was compared to his generation it was mm-hmm. unbelievable. Uh, and yeah, did he speak speak eloquently about the art of hitting like a Tony Gwynn or a Ted Williams? No, mm-hmm. he just went up there and hit the ball. Right. So yeah, that's a little bit tougher. But I mean, and you can dig deep on a lot of other guys, you know, like a Rod Carew or. But I, I mean, I don't have necessarily a problem with your list outside of probably Boggs. I mean, Boggs would hit 350 like year in and year out. Yeah, he, he was a hit machine. Yeah, but nowhere near the caliber of a Cobb or a, or Rose or you know those guys. Tony Gwynn was, yeah, I have no problem with with those guys, but I can easily say Babe Ruth, Bonds, let's over uh, Boggs. So, like, what about like a like a DiMaggio? So DiMaggio, I, I to me DiMaggio has always been overrated because he hit 56 straight. Mm-hmm. Still a very, very, very good ball player. No doubt Hall of Famer. But his body of work. Mickey Mantle <laughs> destroyed his body, but was unbelievable. Right. Uh, you know, you start getting into Willie Mays again. Mm-hmm. Greatest hitter of all time. You, know, you could say that very easily. Or not greatest hitter, but greatest ball player of all time. Mm-hmm. But as far as pure hitters, I just, I don't know if I can. You're a big Boston guy, so that. Am I a big Boston? I'm not a big Boston guy. Oh, you're all Oregon guys. I'm a Baltimore guy, not a Boston guy. I, 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 was, I was always a Boston guy, actually. Mentioned Mike, Mike Greenway. Greenwell. Was a, Greenwell was a great player. Yep. I grew up watching those guys just because, you know, AL East. You know, but that's the thing. Baltimore never had a hitter like that. You know, we never had that that hit Pure, machine. Yeah. And we had, never had those that constant 300 hitter. You know, you had Cal was like a 250, 260, 270 guy. Who hit 28 bombs? Eddie Murray was like a 270 guy, right. 30 bombs. And I'm trying to think who else. I mean, you know, you think back to maybe Brooks Robinson, but he was more known for his glove. Right. And so, you know, I just I can't even think. You know, you know, talk about maybe Machado, but he wasn't he wasn't necessarily known for his hitting. I mean, he was known for his hitting, but he was known for his hitting and glove. He wasn't known as a pure hitter. You know, he had a little bit of power, could hit for average. Um, but I mean. Other than that, I mean, you know, Frank Robinson comes to mind, but yeah, they just we just Baltimore's just never really had a history of having any kind of hit machines like that. 
which is unfortunate, but... Yeah, well, so, I mean, yeah, just doing a quick search here. Stan Musial. Yeah? And, anyway, yeah, he's, well, yeah, Jastrzemski. Yeah, the last, I mean, the last, the last Triple Crown winner after, or before uh, Miggy. You know, I just, I mean, if you, stay, if you go down the list, you know, Pete Rose, number one, you know, for as far as hits leaders. And, and right. He, Ty Cobb, number two, and, and what everybody always forgets, Hank Aaron was number three. In hits? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. I had no idea. 3,700 to 3,771. Musel was very, very, very good. Tris Speaker, Jeter was actually number six. Cap Anson. Holmes. That's what I think. I think Jeter was very underrated in that way. He was just so consistent. I so mean, consistent for so long. Mm-hmm. And Honus Wagner, Ostrowski at nine, Molitor. Molitor? Yeah, yeah. Really? You know, Eddie Collins. Winfield's got to be up there, I would imagine. Uh, he was just over 3,000. And his was more, he played for 25 years. Yeah. Um, Willie Mays is, you know, comes in at 12. Eddie Murray at 13. And his, again, was played for 12. Eddie Murray? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Napa Joy Pujols is at 15. You can say a lot about him, too, because he was hitting 330 for a long time. Yeah, he had about a six or seven year span where he was he was really, really good. George Brett? Yeah, you know that's I, he. I thought about him. The only the thing I remember about George Brett is that game where he had four bombs, and the the bat was uh, hit. They the tossed him because of the pine tar yeah. was too high, which I don't get. Like, why would that give him an advantage? Well, and they later came back and rescinded that too. Did they? Yeah, it was it was just ridiculous. Was, and, and and I think he was very, you know, to take that away from him. You know, I could see why he was irate. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, just to have the game of his life, and you're saying, "Oh, you're, you know, you're just a big cheater." But Carew, I mean, you know, if you start thinking, and if you watched him too, and, and just watching old clips of him, Tony Oliva was such a good hitter. You can just career cut short. Mm-hmm. You know, Carew was Carew was nothing but a slap hitter. That was the tough part of watching him though. He um, was, but I mean, he he bat like here, 330, here's 340. The one, here's the one I can make an argument, and probably a very legitimate argument is Ichiro. You know, I mean, if you come if you combine Japan, and then you're talking like five thousand hits, right? I love you. Just did you see that uh that video they posted of him the other yeah. day where he throws? Yeah. Well, they always said the guy could have hit home runs. Yeah. If he wanted to give up his average. Yep. They said he did in batting practice all the time. The Boggs and Boggs had just over three thousand hits, you know, right up there, you know, just in that middling crowd. Mm-hmm. And he was he was an on base machine. He was mm-hmm. four hundred on base, you know, at all times. He just couldn't run, right? I don't know, but yeah, I take you know if I if I had you know if I take out you know, Bonds and a couple of those guys, but Brett Molitor, I could probably make a case for those guys. Yeah, I mean Bonds. Bonds is, would definitely be on my list. It's just you know he's got that little asterisk by him, and it's a pretty big one too. Yeah, yeah. But I mean before he before he was a monster, he oh, was yeah. he was a forty forty guy, wasn't just, he? Was he, he? Yeah, he, he was. He was the last guy to do forty forty, yeah. wasn't he? And he was just, I mean, even in the steroid era, the guy was just insane on his his the his eye at the plate, mm-hmm. and just some ridiculous stats of pitches he didn't swing at out of the two thousand pitches in a. In a, in a Making up numbers that are probably pretty close to real, like the two thousand pitches he didn't swing at, only a hundred were strikes. Mm-hmm. Just stuff like that that was just unbelievable. Well, I mean, for a guy to lead the league in walks, home runs, and on base percentage, yeah, it's just, I mean, it just, I mean, 
regardless of steroids, I mean, maybe it helps you in the home runs, but well, you still got to have a great eye. The year he hit 72 home runs, he had like a 550 on base percentage. So he got walk 160 sometimes. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Unreal. You know, and obviously, yes, the steroids did a lot, but you still got to hit. Right, exactly, exactly. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining me on this podcast, on the Sherm Show. It was a lot of fun. Uh, As always, uh, thanks for listening, uh, and God bless. The Sherm Show is written, directed, and produced by Chris Sherm. Introduction score by Chrissy Resnikoff. Sound editing by Art Vandelay. Research done by Mark Coleman. Proofing done by Jamie Palomino. The Sherm Show is a Sherman Inc. production.